FOMO. I was a mess, right? It was not a happy moment in my life. I was burnt out. In retrospect, I tested positive for PTSD. And it's like, I can't even have PTSD clinically. I've never been to warfare, right? Into battle. But like, I had hypervigilance. I had night terrors. Like, I had some of the hallmark symptoms of this. Um, and so I, 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 I left actually based on the intervention of a friend who was a therapist, but wasn't, was working with us. She just happened to be a therapist by training. She gave me Sean, of course, the happiness advantage to help initially with like some webinar we were doing about employee motivation. But she also was like, I think this book could help you. Cause you don't seem to be you lately. Like you're, I can see you're hurting. That's Alexi Robichaux, founder and CEO of better up. I'm your host, Patrick McGinnis, and this is FOMO Sapiens. When the world's spinning out of control, it can be impossible to know what to do and what to miss out on. That's called FOMO, which is short for fear of missing out. How do I know? Because I coined the term and I'm the world's first FOMologist. And this is the show where I ask entrepreneurial thinkers, people I call FOMO sapiens, how they live and work with conviction no matter what life throws at them. FOMO. FOMO. Welcome back to another episode of FOMO Sapiens. And listen, I love all the episodes that I put together for you, but this one, this one is a doozy. I really love this episode because this episode features somebody who embodies what this show is all about, somebody who took the path that they thought would make them happy, found out they didn't, and then pivoted to something that was much more meaningful and found great success in the process. My guest today did exactly that, and he is Alexi Robichaux. He's the founder and CEO of BetterUp, the first leadership development platform to connect coaching to sustainable behavior change. As CEO, Alexi leads BetterUp on its mission to enable all professionals to live with greater clarity, purpose, and passion. And he is doing some big things in the process. They have raised over $300 million in venture financing to date, and they have built the world's largest coaching network of over 2,000 coaches serving more than 300 enterprises, including Hilton, NASA, Chevron, Mars, Genentech, Snap, and Warner Media. That is an impressive client list, Lexi. Not bad at all. And prior to Better Up, he was the director of product management at VMware, and he holds a BA in political science and nonprofit management, which I think is kind of funny given the amount of money he's raised from the University of Southern California. Now, why uh, do I feel so passionately about this episode? Well, there's a couple different things that I really like. Number one is we talk about how you can look really great on the surface, successful on the surface, but can be miserable day to day, and how these days we talk a lot about mental health, but mental fitness is very important. And so Alexi, not only for himself, but in his business, in, in Better Up, is all about mental fitness. And part of this is focusing on positive psychology, which is, as many of you know, a topic I'm really interested in, something that on the on the surface maybe looks a little, I don't know, squishy, but in reality is powerful and lab proven. And finally, I just love the fact that Alexi can do something that is helping people, but at the same time, he's, I mean, he's built a huge company. So that's what I love about this episode. Now, while I have your ear, I do want to make my small ask of the week, and that is share this episode with somebody who is not happy in their job. Share it with them and inspire them. Okay, boom. We are done and we are moving on to the opening question of this episode. So listen, <laughs> this company just raised $125 million at a valuation of $1.73 billion. 
It's a lot of money. And, and I think it's kind of amazing considering I had never heard of them before. This came on my radar screen and I was like, how is it possible I missed this one? So to start our conversation, I asked Alexi to tell me, what does it feel like to raise $125 million at a valuation of $1.73 billion? <laughs> uh, great question. Um, you're not the first to ask. It feels both awesome and anticlimactic. And I'll explain, I'll explain why. So it feels awesome in terms of just, you know, the hard work, the amazing teamwork, like the most fulfilling part of better. I didn't think this building better up has actually been building the company better up the people, the community employees. So from that standpoint, it just feels awesome. It's like a, a gold medal we all won. Right. And so that feels really good from a teamwork collaboration standpoint, where I say it feels anticlimactic is because it's not an accomplishment, right? It's it's a mile marker. And now we need to go use all this capital really genitively and smartly and create a ton more value, 10x more value. And so um, I would say it's still, it's a high note, don't get me wrong, but um, I don't have the sense, I know my co-founder, we don't have a sense of like, wow, job done. No, job started. Like we're building this company the last 100 years to have the moral agency to like do right by our members. And this is part of that journey. So it probably feels like the end of a good appetizer, and it's like, let's get to the main course now. What you just said really resonates with me because I remember hearing early in my career, like in the tech bubble of the early 2000s, when there were all these IPOs. And one of the partners at my firm said, an IPO is not an exit. It's a financing event. And, you know, it, this is even more extreme when you're private, but it's sort of like, great job. You got the money. You're going to invest it. But it's, yeah. it's not like you're just going off to retire. You're Now the work begins and continues 100%. for you. 100%. Um, so you just mentioned, you, you know, the company's better up and we were talking before the interview that this is like, I feel like it's like, how did I miss this one? It's a massive company. I've never heard of it. So tell us for those of us who don't know, what does better up do? Better up is really the be like one-stop shop platform for personal growth and professional development. We connect employees with everything from one-on-one -on -one dedicated coaching to counseling, to mentorship to digital learning programs to help them win at work and in life. And we do this mainly through employers today, where we partner with organizations and then they're able to give this to their employees, which covers all kinds of coaching from traditional management or leadership coaching to evidence-based sleep and nutrition coaching to our newest product, which we launched as part of the news around the round called Better Up Care, which now does counseling or mental health or behavioral health coaching. Um, so you can think of it as like an entourage for you, right? You are you are the Tom Brady of your life, the Serena Williams of your life. Better Up is here literally in your pocket to provide you with whatever support and care you need to really hone your craft, hone yourself, and be the, your best self in both these spheres of work and life. So is this sort of like a thing where you're talking to a live person? Am I doing a course? Is it a combination? How does What's the experience like for the user? Yeah, great. It can be a combination. The core experience for most of our, our members, or we call our users members, they're part of the BetterUp community, is they are working one-on-one -on -one with a coach. And a lot of the science and the artificial intelligence we've invested in over the past eight years is to find you that right coach to be your main or your primary coach. And then you can get connected to these specialist coaches. And that relationship is via video chat, text messaging, as well as the coach is able to handpick follow-up practice and, ex uh, and learning exercises for you to do in the wild. And so a big part of Better Up is what I, solving the pain I experienced going to therapy and coaching, which was awesome, 50 minutes of life transformation, sheer magic. And then I go back for six days, 
into my life and I'd forget it all. Or I'd be like, ah, I wish my coach was here right now. And so with better up, what we've really done is flip and change the paradigm where you're constantly getting a drip of that reinforcement and you're constantly engaging with your coach throughout the week. Um, we often use the visual internally of like, we want Yoda in the swamp on Luke's back, right? Like that's what everyone wants is like, where's my Yoda right now? Not because they're a crutch, but because in that moment they can help push me to be my best and help me go to the next level. Now, this is a mission-driven business, and and we talked to a bunch of mission-driven businesses on the show, like Tom's and Chobani. It's that combination awesome. of doing great things, making a great business. And this is, you know, as I read your bio, you started out, you started a company that you sold to VMware, cloud computing. And so when I think about, well, to go from cloud computing to better up doesn't seem like a very linear journey. So how did you end up on this path? Yeah, so I'll clarify real quick. I, I ran product of the company. Tim Young, who's an awesome visionary, started the company. I was fortunate enough to work with him. Um, so for me, the journey to better up actually starts in high school because uh, I, I was fortunate enough at some point in my life to combine what had been my two life passions. And chronologically, as they emerged, the first was actually building cool stuff that turned into building web programming. And it was cheap. It was fast. Instead of getting out there with wooden hammers, like my little brother and I used to do, we eventually discovered, well, you can do this on a website in like five minutes and the world can see it. It was exciting. And through that, I actually discovered the second passion in my life, which was helping people build better lives. And so I had a friend, John Wynn, who was super precocious, uh, and he was hopped up on Steve, Steve Covey, Napoleon Hill, and came to a bunch of us who were student leaders and was like, we should like read these books. And instead of going to boring conferences where adults are telling us things we don't understand, coach each other on this. And, and I was the web guy. That was the connection, right? I helped build the website. And so um, that ignited in me this passion for developing others. And so in my career with SocialCast, the reason I ended up at SocialCast was it pulled on these heartstrings of, hey, this is software technology, but it's helping people have better collaboration, better team, better humanity at work. And that's what pulled me in there. It so happened that VMware bought the company, not the most obvious acquirer, but it made reasons for them strategically. And so I didn't go to VMware through virtualization. I ended up there really through this idea of how do we use technology to improve the work experience and hence the human condition. And so you're at VMware and after a period of time, you leave and you embark on this, this process of personal discovery that leads you to what you do next, which is better up. So talk about why you did it and what was your process to learn all the things that prepared you for this next step? Sure. So I, I think it starts with, you know, I was very fortunate. I was young, I think 25 to 26 when I was there. Um, I was fortunate enough to be a very young executive. Uh, I learned a ton, but I also was overwhelmed. I wasn't doing a great job setting personal boundaries. Uh, I didn't have probably the right skill to roll in retrospect, although I had the ambition and I had the drive. Uh, and I was a mess, right? It was not a happy moment in my life. I was burnt out. In retrospect, I tested positive for PTSD. And it's like, I can't even have PTSD clinically. I've never been to warfare, wow. right, into battle. But like, I had hypervigilance. I had night terrors. Like, I had some of the hallmark symptoms of this. Um, and so I, 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 I left actually based on the intervention of a friend who was a therapist, but wasn't, was working with us. She just happened to be a therapist by training. She gave me Sean, of course, the happiness advantage to help initially with like some webinar we were doing about employee motivation. But she also was like, I think this book could help you. Cause you don't seem to be you lately. Like you're, I can see you're hurting. Right. And, um, 
I read the book and at the time it impressed me. It didn't change much. It just kind of seeded this idea. And so eventually I got to the point where I was like, I need to go elsewhere. I thought the problem was the place. I eventually learned I was the problem, right? It's never the place. It's never our environment. It's always us if we're being honest. And so um, I, I left. I thought I'd start a company. I realized I wasn't in the right headspace to do that. And I went back to the happiness advantage. I mean, I was sleeping till noon. I was probably depressed. I don't know. It was not, a, again, not a happy part in my life. Um, and so I was looking for help. And in the meantime, I was coaching these kids still after school through the nonprofit that I had started in high school. And I kept coming back to this idea of like, they have me helping them through like, I don't want to say trivial for them. It's a big deal. Like first breakup, first job interview, dressing to impress. What's a resume. I was going through, it felt like pretty significant stuff. And I could call my mom or my dad and vent for hours, but they don't live in Silicon Valley. They live in Dallas. And so I was like, who's me for me, Patrick? Like, I want someone to do what I'm doing with these kids to do with me. And that embarked on a journey of, I think, starting with the awareness that I need help and I don't know even what kind of help I need. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, or delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you improve efficiency by bringing all major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. And with rising prices everywhere you look, you got to do the math and save money. Good news. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head over to NetSuite.com slash FOMO. That's NetSuite.com slash FOMO. NetSuite.com slash FOMO. I want to double click on The Happiness Advantage because this is a book that I only learned about at my 15-year business school reunion at HBS. And there was this session about happiness. And you know what? It was the most attended session of the weekend. There were like four overflow rooms and I attended it. And what I learned, which kind of blew my mind, broke my head a little bit, was that there was this field of psychology called positive psychology. And it's not woo woo. Like I was like, if you had told me what's positive yeah. psychology, I'd be like, I don't know, like crystals and, and candles. And it's things. not the power of positive thinking. Right. People confuse the two. It has nothing to do with that, right? Exactly. It is science-based. It there are you know researchers who have PhDs and are serious people doing this. And I read that book, and it's what I love about the book is you know there's we there's other books by Martin Seligman like Flourish that I love, but the Happiness Advantage is this slim little just it gives you all of the basics in a very approachable way. And when I read that book, I read it right before COVID, and my goodness, did I go back to it a lot during this experience? So it's powerful stuff. And I you, you went from there. You you just mentioned I'd love you to just talk about a little bit about positive psychology for maybe people who don't know it because this is the world you live in and hearing it from your perspective would be, I think, a treat for all of us. Oh, well, thanks, Patrick. I will try. I am I am not a PhD. I get to work with some of the best in the world by virtue of the business we built and how we add value back to science. So I will just say this. You, you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, the history of most of psychology has been clinical in nature. Now, the, the, the key caveat is the earliest psychologists, modern psychologists, uh, you know, um, if you go back to almost like pre-Freud pre type folks, right? 
Uh, and then you get up to like the Maslow. There's always been this thread of human development or self-actualization in psychology. But for the most part, when most of us think about psychology, we think about what's now called clinical psychology. And the, the, the intervention that brings clinical psychology into people's life is psychotherapy or talk therapy, right? And the focus historically of clinical psychology has been the remediation or the removing of mental illness. So hence, when we hear the word mental health, what most of us think about is the absence of mental illness. This would be the equivalent of saying that physical health just means you're not sick. We know that's silly. Physical health is going to the gym. It's Nike. We have all these physical health brands that are not zero. They're plus one. I go to the doctor, go from negative one to zero. So most of the history of psychology and hence mental health has been helping people go from negative one back to zero. Martin Seligman, Mihai, check Mihai. Uh, at Claremont, Marty at UPenn, and a host of Fred Vail and some other psychologists came together about 30 years ago off an insight that Marty had studying learned helplessness and basically said, wait a second, like we can go above zero. There's no science and that has the same rigor as the clinical discipline, but we haven't taken these concepts from a Maslow around self-actualization. We haven't put the same science rigor into saying, how do we go to zero, not to one, but to infinite, we don't even know where the maximum is on the positive. And they call that positive psychology. And it was a pursuit to imply the same rigor as clinical psych to not removing illness, but to helping people cultivate and development strengths. And so the whole happiness movement you see from every TED talk to everything is a derivative intellectually. If someone wrote an intellectual history, these are all derivatives of this insight on, wait a second, we've only focused on half of the human experience psychologically. And in fact, maybe the smaller half. And so that's what's so exciting about positive psychology and so exciting about what we're doing here at BetterUp is it's truly a journey into the unknown. We know what the removal of mental illness looks like. What we don't know is what peak flourishing as a species looks like. That is the moonshot. That is putting a man on Mars or a woman on Mars. That's the equivalent in behavioral health of like JFK's call to arms to get on the moon. That is the moment we're in right now. And it's maybe one of the most important things we'll do as a species in human history. What I love about the way that you approach this and what really stood out to me as I was researching you is that you know we're all talking about mental health. We've had guests on the show, uh, Dan Schaubel and others, who've talked about the fact that mental health in the in work environment during COVID before, of course, but during COVID even more, it's been a struggle. But you know, there's a lot of stigma around that. And so when we talk about mental health, when we when we flip the script and talk about mental fitness, which is something yeah. that all of us can understand because you know all of us want to be a little bit more fit. And it's not it's not like a binary thing. It's not like well you're fit or you're not fit. It's like I'm getting fitter. Right. I'm working towards the goal. That's really where you're playing. So talk about the kinds of impacts that you're trying to achieve. The types of you know interventions that you're having that you can drive that mental fitness. I love that. Yeah, and you know it's like. Strictly speaking, you're right. Like it's still mental health, but because of all the connotations of a hundred years of history of mental health, we need another word, right? And so we're we're I think as a community of entrepreneurs, together with a lot of other companies, we're all trying on mental fitness right now as the way to communicate the positive aspects of what we're talking about. Really, what we're talking about is positive psychology. Um, so look, I mean, what we know from the research and our own experience is there are these, almost think of them as meta skills. They're really called psychological resources in the science that underpin our ability to grow, adapt, and perform. And these are things like psychological resilience would be one. Angela Duckworth's done a ton of 
Research on grit would be one. Emotional intelligence or emotional regulation would be one. And so one thing, we optimism is actually one, right? If you think about learned optimism from, from Marty Seligman, one thing we do at BetterUp while you're working with this coach is we help you build career and life success by taking a very whole person approach where we're not focused on the surface level issue. We're focused on the psychological resources that underpin your ability to long-term be successful and perform. So this is like building core muscles, right? Like if you really want to get physically fit, you can do all the like, yeah, military press, bench press looked really yoke, but like every athlete whatsoever, if you really want to be fit, you work on the core, right? That's where all the power in it. So when we think of like your psychological core, it is these skills we talked about. And what we've seen with BetterUp is coaching together with the technology stack we provide is one of the most effective ways known to develop these skills like resilience. And if you take a skill like resilience, here's what we see. People who are more resilient are more productive. They have higher life satisfaction. They're more likely to get promoted. They're more creative. So almost every other benefit you want in the workplace stems from these core psychological resources that underpin that. And coaching is one of the most effective ways to cultivate those. Now, I'm wondering, have you created a FOMO <laughs> unit yet or any lessons around FOMO? Because I have a feeling, just put it out there, 2021, everybody's going to be, I mean, people are not going to want to do anything. They're going to be so excited to just live again. So uh, is that on your radar, on your product map for 2021? Yeah. I mean, we don't think of it as FOMO, but you know, we do think that like we're at the start of a new journey in the ex work experience and in our life experience. Um, we do think we're in a really narrow window of time, Patrick, where people can still get ahead of this. Despite the pandemic already happening, there's going to be most more post-pandemic change. That's our worldview. And now's the time to be hitting the proverbial gym. Now's the time to be preparing for that. So you don't miss out. You don't miss out on the opportunity to adapt and be agile in the future. And so, yeah, we are, we're, we're investing in new ways. We have now group coaching that's highly scalable, brings community in this world where we do feel increased, isolated, isolated. We're starting workshops and classes. We got a lot of new offerings to help give more people access to these skills so they don't miss out. Tudo bem, meus queridos fomo sapiens. Now that right there was Portuguese. And as you know, I love speaking foreign languages, but I'm not alone. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off that list with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Now, FOMO sapiens, you know I speak four languages, and it takes work to stay on top of them, especially with French. C'est difficile. But with Babbel, I'm able to practice practical conversations that I can actually use in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash FOMO. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash FOMO. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash FOMO. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now, you spend your days talking to these really thoughtful leaders who are developing the, the intellectual capital around the programs that you offer. And as we, uh, you just mentioned, you know, we're all, we're starting a new journey now, which I, I hadn't thought about it that way, but I love it because what I, my theme for this year, every year I come up with like a word and uh, my, my word for this year was momentum because I felt like, you know, we just, cause I had a lot of, I mean, I had too much momentum maybe sometimes Mr. FOMO sapiens that I am, but then it's like, boom, there's no one, you're just like, literally you look at your steps on your Apple health app and it's like 43 for the day. 
and, and now we're resuming life. And so given all the conversations you're having, just for people who are listening today who are starting to think about that next journey, what would you ask them to keep in mind? Great question. Um, oh. So for me, I'll just speak for me personally. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I've been very fortunate throughout COVID. I haven't had COVID, I, you know, better up was already a virtual business. So we weren't heavily impacted by COVID, right? We, we are counting our blessings, so to speak, which by the way, is a positive psychology intervention of count three blessings every night before you go to bed. Great research basis. But this, this is the, this is what I love in the spirit of positive psychology. I'll answer your question. What I love about positive psychology is I often joke. It is a ton of research that proves your grandmother was right. It's a ton of research that proves that these timeless things that we've known through the wisdom traditions, that we've known through human culture, are actually good and healthy for us. And so as I think about going forward, what, I, what I'm trying to do is not lose the two, as my wife and I like to say, constitutionals we take walking each day, right? These very mundane, basic things. If we can go back to work and remember that it is the mundane, it is the routine, it's hygienal, it's about good hygiene that allows us to flourish, that allows us in a stress state to perform, right? Just like it's athletes spend 90% of the time doing hygiene practice, 10% performing, military even more. I think we win. And so what I take from positive psychology, what I take from the wisdom traditions, what I take from the past year of my life is what I don't want to lose is my humanity. And we're not designed for computers. We're designed for walks in green space. We're designed for walks by water. We're designed to have human conversation. And I hope that we don't get back. I don't get back to my jets, overly jet setting ways. And I lose that very basic reality that we're anthropologically time and space bound geographic beings. And when we're dialed into that, when we're dialed into the relationships with one another, we build the foundations of flourishing. When we get alienated from that, which I was alienated from that when I was at VMware, I was all about career, title, status. Those aren't actually things in the human experience that make us happy, right? What makes us happy is strong relationships. What makes us happy is spending time with one another, taking care of others. That, not to be too long-winded, Patrick, but I say return back to the basics. This is a Hoosier's moment, like fundamentals. Let's not lose the fundamentals here. I like how you mentioned the three things you're grateful for, because that's something that for a guest that we had earlier on the season, Jay Shetty talks about. And yeah. I, I integrated because of Jay. So that was, I read Jay's book. Well, now you know where he gets it from. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and and he he's really good at taking these sort of eternal wisdoms uh, from from his cultural tradition or from, you know, that he's that he's brought to us in the modern day. And as you were speaking, I was also thinking about the concept of the wounded healer from Carl Jung, which is this idea that the best person yeah. to help us on our journey is the person who has already struggled. You're a step ahead of the rest of us on the recovery. And that's, you know, I think of myself as the wounded healer of FOMO, and you are the wounded healer of all the stuff that you dealt with at VMware and, and sort of this new business that you have built. And so I, I just think as we look forward, I'd love to, I'd love to know, you know, you've been at this. This is not... You know, a lot of times people get this idea, you know, a successful business like this, you've built a real company here. You got a lot of employees, thousands of employees. You've raised hundreds of millions of dollars. You're valued at 1.7 billion. I mean, that's, that's great, by the way. You know, congratulations to you. It's taken you eight years so far. It may take you another eight more. It's a long yeah. journey. It's a marathon. Being an entrepreneur is a full contact sport. And so as you think about that next phase for yourself, you, you mentioned some of the things that you're doing, but do you have moments where you, you're like, I mean, you know, all the tricks, you know, it's all there, 
But I imagine there are some days when you wake up and you're like, oh man, Alexi, like, uh, I'm, I'm the wounded healer. And right now I'm just wounded because I'm not, I'm not following what I tell people. And so can you just tell us about that and how you kind of keep your head on straight when you have one day you're like, this is not, I didn't, I'm not grateful for anything today. I'm just having a lousy day. Sure. Yeah. I mean, for like maybe most days in life, right? <laughs> like I think, I mean, there's a lot more troughs than peaks. I think at least in my experience, um, yeah, you know, we have a concept here. We we like to promote that are called inner work. That part of your job is to work on yourself and to manage your psychology and to invest in yourself. And I love this framework because I clunkily say like my qualification to promote inner work is I'm personally terrible at it, right? And so it's like because I I guess I'm the the wounded healer at it. I fail all the time at inner work, right? Um, but for me, inner work has been the way to over the long periods of time leave it all out on the field and still have energy to come back. And I'll, I'll break that down. Um, it's really about, it was, a, it was a change in my thinking about what is my role, right? As a founder CEO, especially early, it's easy to think your role is to build something, which it is like as, as the Y Combinator shirt says, make something people want. But a big part of your role is, um, especially as the company grows, is to actually be on the journey yourself and be growing and learning and developing and taking care of yourself. Right. Where do bad managers come from? Typically, they come from poor self-care is what I find. Right. They're not bad people. They're just stressed. They're burnt out. They're exasperated. They're exhausted. They have poor emotional regulation. They mean well. But that intention is filtered through a mess and it comes out as a mess. And so inner work is huge. And so as I think about how I've done it, it's really been, although I'm not the best at it, I'd actually say Eddie, my co-founder, is better at inner work. Um, it's been building a routine and a cadence, a hygiene around inner work. And I, I can get specific with a few things that have helped me. You know, I, I read pro, pro, profusely. I read um, maybe pathologically would be the right term. But I've learned that I can't read about anything related to business or the economy before I go to bed. If I do, I don't sleep. I'm thinking about better up 3 a.m. Oh, my gosh. New idea. So I, I discovered this about six years ago. I have been reading biographies for six years. Like every night before I go to bed, sometimes I'll switch it out with a Star Wars novel. But for the most part, I mean, I've read every every Isaacson I can find, every Chernow I can find. And I get transported. I couldn't do the Steve Jobs one, though, because it was still too recent. I had to do that during the day. But like that is like a, it washes my thoughts before I go to bed. And I don't think about work. I'm not thinking about dreaming about work. I'm, I wake up not thinking about work, right? Because I didn't go to bed. And it's like I don't want to be like, you know, self-helpy here. It works for me. It may not work for you, but it's been huge. The other thing has been walks, right? Like part of Better Up was me going in the Camino and I've tried to create what I call Camino living sense. How do I bring the freedom of the Camino, the clarity of the Camino, the focus the Camino gives you when you're walking with your thoughts? Um, and then depending on your faith, for, for, for me and in my, in my faith transition, you know, reading scripture, prayer is a huge one too in the morning. It again, just kind of washes your mind, clears out all the junk that may have occurred during the night. And so by building this process of doing this a few times a day, I'm not perfect. I'm far from perfect, but I can truly say this is the only reason I'm probably still saying like building a startup. It's like psychological warfare some days. It really is. And it is tough and it is grueling. And there's founders better than me who've probably managed to do it. But this is the only way I've been able to do it. All right. Alexi Robichaud, the wounded healer of inner work and the CEO of BetterUp, which you can check out at betterup.com. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having us, Patrick. Really enjoyed the opportunity to share our story with you.
FOMO. Big news. We now have a brand new website. So head over to FOMOSapiens.com where you can listen to past episodes, learn more about the show, and find out how to advertise. Also, head over to Spotify where you can find and follow playlists of the best of the show. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis, on Twitter at PJ McGinnis, and on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you, so don't be shy. FOMO Sapiens is recorded in New York City. Theme music is by Mike McGinnis, and editing and post-production is by Josh Elstrom. If you like today's show, please be sure to rate it and recommend it to your friends. And as always, you can find me at FOMOSapiens.com and at PatrickMcGinnis.com. To advertise on FOMO Sapiens, reach out to contact at FOMOSapiens.com. FOMO.